Hey, this is Carl LeClaire from the Wampa's Lair podcast, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card podcast. Great pull, kid. Only watch a step. This place can be a little rough. To steal from the Empire? To just walk in like you belong. And you belong right here with us. I need all the heroes I can get. And we need to understand what we just saw. That's why we ask questions. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is Questions and or Breakfast, a special Rebel Base Card podcast series. This is what revolution looks like. A Star Wars and or series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today for breakfast, we are asking questions on Andor Series Episode 8, Narkina 5, which dropped Wednesday, October 26th. Today, we welcome back Gregory Cast from Ion Cannon, and once again, thank Colby Mead from the Colby Cast for pitching in last week as the part of the Rebel fleet was still stuck at the Imperial Shipyards. I, I've got to work <laughs> on that a little better. But Greg, it's uh, great to have you back, and thank you for uh, thank you for obliging last week so that we could get a, a show in, but I know all of our schedules were all over the place. So those are the lies you're feeding our faithful audience that, oh, it was exactly. the, the rebel fleet audience. Let me tell you the truth, which is <laughs> I logged on to Skype at our normal time wearing a brown suit. And Greg looked at me and he said, we're not here for individuals or creative thinking and blocked me just on the spot. So it took me a week. I found some dress whites to wear and now I'm back in uniform and a, a cog in the machine, if you will. So I'm welcomed back. It was that it was that fifth Twitter message that was a, that kept asking for that got you on the ISB radar. Um, boy, I can't wait to talk later about uh, you know what what not to do during your ISB interview. Um, I think we could have a separate discussion about that. The one thing I keep forgetting, and it only goes because the sh- the show artwork only goes in certain feeds, and I know it has to do with the iTunes artwork. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get it tweaked to where it'll it'll go. Um, but I started logging just how many of these breakfast shows that we have mm. done. Now, you, of course, we have we um, haven't been there for everyone. I think I've missed two now. Yes, uh, once with Amy filling in for me, and once right. with Colby last week. But I want to say that this. Tonight, or the the breakfast for today, is the 35th breakfast show that has been done. Now, this takes, of course, um, account for the, you know, the the wristbands for breakfast ones that we did during um, celebration. But yes, going back to the Bad Batch and Go Through, yeah, this is like number 35. So I I started trying to, to, to... to tally them because, you know, the, the main show has, you know, X number of them. Uh, and I was following so far behind some of my fellow podcasters going, no, I've actually done more than what, what it looks like I've done there. <laughs> and so, but that I wanted to kind of take, take a stock of it. So yes, it is a micro Very podcast cool. series, but, uh, can you believe, um, we're over 30. You not, me? not so micro anymore, I suppose, but you know, uh, 
the tops is our our guide and our model and they'll you know do different repeated micro sets so that's that's what this is every every season or so we'll pop another group in uh and you know uh bad batch is right around the corner i think there were a lot of complaints when it got bumped to january but it's going to be here before we know it for more oh batch back to the original <laughs> well and and on that you know we've had tales of the jedi drop which it, it it's it would be hard to do one of those because you had all shows at once and then they're kind of their own little things and you don't really quite know if they're going back. But um, I I would say that um, it, interesting the choices I did enjoy them. What did you did you have a chance to get through all the tales of Jedi? I did. I was just telling you I uh, I had some RMV trouble this week, so uh, I will tell you I watched all of Tales of the Jedi, and I do mean all six of them, just as the creators intended, with an AirPod of RMV hold music in my ear, because oh. I was on hold for I think two and a half hours with them. Oof. So uh, yeah, and then you know spent all of twenty seconds with the operator when the time came. So uh, so I do need to revisit them for that reason. But I did really enjoy them. Um, you know, I'm I'm just being honest. I'm not somebody who Clone Wars or Rebels is kind of top on my list uh, right. for for my favorite shows. No disrespect to those who who do put it on the top of their list. Uh, but I thought this was a worthy member of of you know those two series and had some nice little shout outs to to fans of both of those and um it was it was really enjoyable i think my favorite po- part might have been seeing young qui-gon um who i believe was voiced by liam neeson's son so that's mm-hmm. just a really cute uh little touch uh and yeah the ahsoka stories were fantastic as well how about you what did you think um yeah not to um you know like if you look in the thumbnails, you see a lot, of, you see some items there. So obviously, even if you haven't seen them and we won't necessarily, uh, we don't have to spoil the, the content themselves, but you know, you, you do see some stories with Ahsoka and you see some stories with, you know, with Dooku and, um, with, with Gragon. And I thought it's interesting how they did it. You know, you almost like, you know, for, for, for a hot second, I started calling it tales of the retcon, uh, because <laughs> of some things they do there, but you know, what you can't argue is that the style works. Um, it's really fun to see those stories. And, you know, they have a mechanism for telling a lot of different things. And so if we're thinking of a Star Wars story, which, you know, getting into Andor, you kind of feel it more of like, this is what a Star Wars story, I think, should have been. Mm. That uh, it's fun. And I, ho- I hope they continue to do it because I, you know, because I do think that there is a still a desire for fans to see that kind of not only the animation style but stories from those times and i think they're a great and very easy way to kind of fill in some holes and uh you know i think it was fun and i'm it's it's nice when they can do that uh you almost wonder like because they were as long as they were could they have gone on a weekly basis filled in some holes rather than to kind of do like the stranger things all at once, but uh, I don't. I don't know. Do you? Do you have a feeling one way or the other whether or not it would have been great to see them broken up, or did you? I mean, you obviously had the time uh, while on the call, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I don't really know. I guess my question would be why did they put them all out at once? And mm-hmm. and I think the answer is just simply they have so much live action content and plus Bad Batch, right? I mean, we're right. we're streaming through Andor. What did we hit? Uh, this was eight, so that's two-thirds of the way through it already um and then we have uh you know more book of or sorry more mandalorian coming before too long um it 
also seems to me like they wanted to kind of have a little gap uh, in December. Uh, I have this on good authority from Nerdy Film Podcast, which is that Disney is purposefully stopping all Disney Plus products in December for a little while. And wow. the reason is because they want people to go see Avatar. They are desperate for people to go see this because they've already paid for like three more sequels to it. So, uh, again, I'm parroting things I've heard on film podcasts. But if you look at their release schedule, Avatar comes out in mid-December and there's nothing on Disney Plus until January. Uh, I think Bad Batch might actually be the first thing. And that's Disney and Marvel. So they want you out at the theater seeing Avatar over and over again instead. So I... uh, <laughs> so it, it, anyway, it does seem like they could have easily waited till the end of Andor, done a weekly release and gotten us to Bad Batch. But uh, they they have corporate synergy reasons, perhaps, for not doing so. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'd be curious. You know, I think that's what we pay Colby to do is go out and watch all that all that Avatar <laughs> So we don't have to, uh, Colby. <laughs> there's your assignment. I I can't tell you how unexcited I am to see it. Although I saw the original Avatar and I bought the expensive Blu-ray disc when it came out, and it was very visually incredibly stunning. Although mm. I thought I thought the story was a little underwhelming, and you go, okay, that's that's fine. Um, I think once you get through so many franchises, you're like, okay, do I really want to do this again? Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think it's the same thing. Do I want to go see a movie like, say, uh, Black Adam? Which, yes, I do, even though, you know, like I said, it's, you know, you you have an expectation when you go into a, a franchise like that. But I'm like, there are supporting characters in that. And, you know, I can watch The Rock as the day is long. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, something about Avatar just doesn't really thrill me. But, yeah, they've made that investment. Um, but, um, it, it, yeah, interesting time, certainly. And, you know, I think the... The ongoing rumor mill about the future of Star Wars movies, you know, we're in the middle of this long gap. Um, I think, you know, it's starting to sound like they really have some momentum on a couple of these new projects. So hopefully that drought ends and we get back to the theater for Star Wars. But uh, only time will tell. I, I mean, I think these Disney Plus shows and, and in my opinion, Andor in particular, have been quite successful. So uh, having a, a weekly diet of Star Wars is not a bad thing. Nope, nope. And speaking of time, I thought that was an excellent segue, uh, <laughs> considering our hero is doing quite the amount of time. Uh, but in getting ready for tonight's or today's breakfast, as it were, uh, the show is going to work like this. If you haven't listened before, um, Greg and I will take turns asking questions. Questions, mind you, that we have not mentioned to each other before. So even if you have a, a good episode or a bad episode, we try to keep it mums the word on the questions because we don't want to spoil it for you. Um, because this, the questions spur some great conversation and all the pressure off is to get the right answer because, well, that's what we have Colby for, uh, Colby and Dan and all those, all those great podcasters, uh, they get all the hard work. They got to break all this stuff down. We just have to sit here and ask questions. So of course, because we haven't talked about these questions before, there's always a chance we could take one of those questions. So you better have some spares. And tonight was a little tough. I will say, uh, the, the episode in question, Uh, There's so many moving parts to it, but there are no points, bonuses, lightning rounds, or phone a friend, but we have what we like to call the Greg's List, 
which is a selection of podcasts and other assorted media that we have may, may have ingested, whether we are not either in a dealership or on the call with the DMV, <laughs> uh, before, during, and after to see if they have answered any of our questions and then some more brought up some great points. It's also one of my favorite parts of the show as it highlights just some of the amazing work being done out there in the community. We hope you check some or all of them out and maybe find a new content creator that you like and want to support. Greg, other than Tales of the Jedi and ingesting Andor, did you get a chance to check out anything else this week? Oh, I did. I, I am so caught up on my podcast. I actually had to stop listening today because I was going to hit material about this week's episode. Ah. So I'm I'm on top of things. So uh, I don't want to laundry list them all out for you, but I will just highlight some that continue to be really welcome additions to my podcast feed. Um, Decoding TV, uh, hosted Ooh. by Dave Chen, uh, continues to be outstanding analysis. Uh, as I've alluded to before, they sit a little on the outside, and that's really helpful in uh, kind of getting a different perspective. Uh, I want to shout out Star Wars Reactions, which I think you gave yes. a shout out to last week uh, when I was gone. Uh, they had their coverage derailed by Hurricane Ian, as it were, but uh, they put out an episode this week that just caught up on the Aldani arc. And it's really nice to hear them. I mean, it's always nice to hear them, but it's really nice <laughs> to hear them take a full arc at a time. Um, and it's a nice counterpoint to you and I who kind of react quick and ask questions to hear their deep analysis kind of uh, now a couple weeks out or a week out from from the finale. Uh, and then my usual CWK, uh, Ringerverse House of R was back with a full two hour and 45 minute wow edition which i will listen to the whole thing of which i uh you know it was delectable and had some really nice deep dives in it uh and including uh, a a guest host going into the full history of mon mothma which i really appreciated Ooh. in light of what we've seen and then lastly i listened to this interesting podcast called rebel base card which you know <laughs> they often have this kind of pompous fool as a co-host but he took a week <laughs> off and had the wonderful guest star colby mead and uh colby just did fantastic filling in uh it felt like you you took a step up and and you know colby is always insightful and and i really appreciated uh hearing him and his thoughts i usually hear them on the colby cast so it was funny to kind of hear how the conversation went from asking questions to then really talking through them and answering and explaining his thoughts on the next show and i have it on good authority both he and our our friend jen are the guests on cwk this week so i can't wait to get to that one I was seeing some some screenshots or, you know, shots like we'll often like take a shot of like everybody recording. But yeah, um, it, it's always it's always great when you see everybody kind of make the rounds and you know, seeing Jen and seeing Colby and seeing Dan there uh, and Ross Holloman was in one of those somewhere. And I'm like, I, I just it's really fun because a lot of times, you know, we're all in different parts of the country and whatnot. But, you know, and it would be great if we had a chance to watch all this together. But, you know, to go back and then, you know, you have these nice, long, you know, details of what everybody thought and everybody gets out their thoughts. It's kind of fun because it's like being back at Celebration when we're all in the same room. Uh, but then mm -hmm. we all kind of get a chance to react together. And it's, and it's really, really fun. Uh, yeah. And once again, uh, this is the you know, Mutual Colby Admiration Society podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, once again, just thank thank him for, for being on. It was real fun. And hopefully we'll get some other folks on. I, I Like I said, I have it on good authority. We have a special guest coming up in the next few weeks that I've already booked. And hopefully we'll be getting some more people on before we run out of Andor. 
that uh, <laughs> that special guest is a big name I want to throw in there. Maybe somebody who filled the whole podcast stage at Celebration, as I understand. I was I was super excited, um, and like I said, I'm gonna you know I don't want to peg something and then you know you jinx it or whatever like that. But I I can't wait. Um, I can't wait. That's going to be fun. And but like I that's said, that's why I just do the deep tease, right? Maybe, maybe somebody <laughs> who was at the premiere of, uh, uh of Andor. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Was it Diego Luna? We'll see. Only time will tell. Tune in. <laughs> Boy, that would really, that'd be really nice for the numbers. If we get together. Um, at any rate, um, for me this week, I have spent a great deal of time at the, the Imperial, uh, shipyards at CarMax, uh, looking for cars. And so, and, and you know, like the one thing that was kind of fun and I will say, um, I did get a chance to, while I was test driving a car today, listen to full of Sith in CarPlay. And, you know, so like my car is, you know, it's not, it's about like almost it's seven years old, but you know, my car is definitely before the CarPlay era. And, you know, CarPlay, this is a, you know, Android, there's, you know, Android Play and CarPlay. Basically, you plug your car, your your phone into your car, and it picks up a lot of, you know, the apps and so forth from your phone. It's hands-free, although it's hard not to play with the center console. Uh, but I was listening to uh, Full of Sith on one of my mm-hmm. test drives today, which was nice because then you get a nice splash page. And, of course, uh, on one of my test drives, I had to I had to fire up my own show just to kind of see <laughs> what I'd look like on CarPlay. Um but that was that was great, and you know Holly Fry and uh, Brian, they, they just do a great job over there at uh, Full of Sith. Um, I was also I did have a chance to listen to the Making Tracks reaction to Episode Seven, which is really great. Mark and Mark do an awesome job, and it's it's great because they're only about a half hour, and so they go in and out. But they also has they have some great takes. And this week I, I had it in my podcast feed, uh, the Star Wars Geek Girl or Geek Girls, hmm. um, they've been doing it for like seven years now. And they're like maybe in their mid-20s. I think they've been podcasting since they were like, they were saying like 14 or something like that. So they've been doing it a long time, yet they're fairly young, but it's, it was a night. There's a lot of energy in that, uh, a lot of energy in there. Uh, Zoe and Lizzie are the two hosts on this. And uh, so they're doing they're doing stuff about uh, Andor as well, and so it's kind of fun to queue up a new podcast and you know check it out. And I always just I love uh, I love all these different um, takes on it, and it's kind of fun. And then, like I said, they get all the hard work. We we just have to sit here and spout <laughs> off. All right, I'm gonna let you lead it off. I know you've been holding back, and you know, like I said, this was a little tough. I'm, I've got some notes all over the place. Uh, our friend. Ben Brophy's done a great job, as always, with his uh, Google Docs on it uh, at Zen Kenobi over there. But I think even he probably was struggling on this one because there's so much going on. I'm excited <laughs> for your first question. Uh, I'm going to take your opportunity to first just thank Ben for that. I, I, his first uh, text to me when he finished the episode was, oh, my God, there's three full screens of named <laughs> characters. I don't know when I'm going to get this done. Uh, so he does incredible work. He's now supporting a small corner of the uh, world <laughs> podcast community. Um, and I, I did just want to, since we're giving him a shout out for that, I want to say he came up with a really cool uh, B2 EMO design on his T Public. 
And so if you uh, want to check it out and consider throwing him a few bucks for a sticker or a T-shirt, uh, just look him up on Twitter. It's at Zen Kenobi. His store on TeePublic is uh, Gonk Squadron. And every uh, cent of profit he gets, he donates to uh, help foster kids here in Massachusetts. Um, so uh, strongly recommend. I already ordered a couple stickers myself. Uh, it's a very cool little B2 design. Get it while... Um, before Disney finds it and pulls it down for copyright infringement, as as they always tend to do, even though it, it is original artwork and uh, totally his own creation. But oh my goodness, I just saw that design. That is oh, that's yeah, really nice. It's it's very cool. So uh, I grabbed two stickers uh, immediately. My t-shirt drawer is just busting at the seams, or else I probably would have grabbed one. Maybe. I can grab a hoodie. That's different than a T-shirt. So, uh, all right. So fueled by Zen Kenobi's masterful notes, uh, I'm gonna start with the the uh, ISB plotline and ask the question, uh, <laughs> which perhaps uh, I know the answer to because of how you responded to my brown suit joke. Uh, will the ISB ever want Cyril? <laughs> I, you know. I, we were we've been excited for this. We've been talking about this, and you're like, "Come on!" Everything was teed up for him just to go. I've got what you need. And when he said "gray, not green" or something like that, in you know, the only thing he had was that that Luthen's cloak or coat was a different color. I said. Damn, you blew it, son. Uh, you blew your interview. I don't know what, you know, you, you know, especially when he got up. And I, I would say, given it, given it up for Cyril, 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 to, you know, he was, he had, he had stuff off his chest and he like, hey, you know, he was saying something and then she turned around and you, but it was just sort of like, you know, it was, some of it was just too little too late. Um, so I, he also much like Andor, right? You know, it's like they've both got themselves painted so much into a corner. I have no idea how they're getting out of this mess. I have no idea how he he took his shot. I mean, at one, you know, he he took a shot or several shots of trying to write false reports or trying to, you know, but I wish he would have had a better plan for, you know, like I, I would say it's like, hey, I didn't, you know, like, because she did go, oh, I, you know, you didn't get a chance to read a report. You signed, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, and then even when she came back and he's like, yes, there are several things. And then when she called it on him, yeah, that that's that's flinching in the most possible way. So I don't I don't know how they could meet again. You have to imagine they would, because otherwise, why would we have drug it out just so him to, to muff it like this? But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling. What do you think? Uh, I agree with what you just said. We all saw this moment coming, and as soon as we had them in the same room, I think we all immediately were like, this is it. He's in. He's he's getting his kind of dark redemption, and uh, he'll the two of them will team up and go stop Cassian together. But, uh, you know, this show continues to just blow through our expectations and not, not be willing to go with the easy answer. So I think it was... It was shocking to me, and especially like you alluded to when when he jumped up at the end with like that one more thing, you know, the Columbo move. Uh, I was like, "Well, there it is. He's gonna say something." And then I was like, "Nope, you're done." And you know, I think I think maybe the show has a lesson to say there about the way these fascist re regimes work and how power operates, which is if 
you don't have the power, then you can't get it back easily. And he's going to keep clawing his way towards the top, which by design means they get whatever he offers and don't have to give anything in return. So I still hold out hope for him that he will one day eat his bowl of crunchies and get that call back. (laughs) I think the thread that maybe offers the most possibility is he does say, I would recognize his voice. So if they get a recording of, say, Luthen and Mothma or Luthen and Saw, maybe he could weigh in and they'd call on him to identify it. But uh, it's going to be a long shot to get into one of those white uniforms, I think. And it will be interesting for you know to go back you know if they go back and show him back in his cube, you know he's going to be super depressed. Um, so it, it, like I said, it's really interesting to see what what he's going to do. But you're just like, oh, how many how many second chances are you going to get, kid? You know, if you were if you were a good deputy inspector, like you're saying, I was like, ah. Uh, how many uncles can you have who are gonna (laughs) open up a door for you yeah (laughs) oh my goodness um all right i'm gonna this was at the this was at the top of yeah you actually kind of took yeah were you underwhelmed by (laughs) karn's meaning so that did take one of my questions but i think it was a question that was just dying to be answered Mm. but um as we've seen i i still can't get over it yeah Andor had one look the entire show of just, you know, bewilderment. But my first re- my first question, so much for the manifesto? Mm. What happened to that? I mean, we were all like, uh, here's the book. The dying man gives you the book. You are, you are not getting, how are you going to get back to that book? What happened to the <laughs> manifesto? Yeah, I think, again, the show sees the easy path to our expectations and just blows them apart and finds a different path forward. And I think we all thought the next episode would be him reading the book and finally getting radicalized and and ready to go fight. But uh, so where do I think the book is? I think if the book were on Ferex, we would have seen him leave it there because you can't just come back later and say like, oh, I tucked this under my pillow when uh, Marva and I were talking. So I think the book is, I don't think he threw it away. I think it's with the money and the money was in that box on top of his shower <laughs> in space Key Largo uh, or wherever. So the chances of him getting that back seem pretty slim. But I'm going to say I think the only hope we have is uh, Vel and uh, I need the notes. Uh, Cinta. Cinta. Vel and Cinta on his tail. If they can somehow get at least that far, maybe the, the box of credits will still be there and they can reclaim the manifesto. But uh, I certainly think if it was on his person when the K2 droid arrested him, I don't think he'd be getting it back. So I think it has to be somewhere else if there's any hope of seeing it again. But it would be, a, I think, a real tragedy for a lot of us if, if we never see it again. So what do you think? Yes, because then, in, that, in which case, Nemec, what, you know, he died, you know, asking his last wish was to give him this book. And I think it'd be, a, it'd be, a, it'd be an obvious loss if you never referred to it again, because that clearly seems to be the vehicle that that may drive him over. And at this point, you know, poor Cassian is just catatonic 
And, you know, it's it's amazing. Even you want, we'll talk about hope, as I'm sure we're going to be asking some questions uh, about part of our next planet. But I, I, I'm just like, I, I was really surprised. But then again, that seems to be the whole theme of this show is you're really surprised that all of us are here. You know, were, were you surprised that that Cinta and Vel are on Ferrix are, you know, all these, all these different things. And so, yeah, I'm just still speechless. <laughs> and that's not just because I'm shopping uh, Zen Kenobi's tea public store. for looking <laughs> Well, I'll just finish up that thought before going on to my question and say, you know, this show might have something to say about really deep, deep beliefs, right? Um, I think of Nemec saying, you know, I couldn't sleep last night, but you slept like a stone. And maybe in a world like this, there's just no place for, you know, belief in this version of Star Wars and Mm -hmm. and in this time period, which is is a dark thought, but doesn't seem impossible. So, uh, gosh. All right. I'm going to jump to Ferex then. These are in no particular order tonight (laughs) for me. So we learn that Marva is a rebel, right? She is actively working, uh, perhaps totally on her own, but she is preparing for the Rebel Alliance and scouting out that hotel and perhaps plotting uh, intel that she can pass along to whoever's going to disrupt this. Uh, Yet at the same time, we see her health is failing. There's a lot of concern from Brasso. Great to see him again. And Bix. Uh, so it's a prediction question from you, Hmm. Marva, noble or tragic ending ahead? Oh, I have to lean on tragic. I I think everything, you know, I, I don't know who she's working for, but I, you know, I, I think she's doing a lot of this on her own. I think she, you know, it, it was interesting that the, that Brasso, they were bringing up, was it the Daughters of, it was like a little organization. The Daughters of Ferex, I'm on that particular part of Zen Kenobi's notes. <laughs> so I'm wondering at some time that there was, you know, especially because it seems like that there was a resistance type, you know, different occupations mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, early on you see, you know, obviously you see those those troopers and stuff there. But yeah, I, I'm not really quite sure she's in contact with anyone but then again you know she could surprise me on that but i i have to think it's going to end very very badly uh but then in which case you know everybody on ferrix is not doing quite well ask uh, you know ask bix and pack um mm. so it, you know it's everything just got ratcheted up but you know she didn't look very well and and you know and 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 so forth like that so i'm just like Ugh. I don't I don't think it's going to end well. Tragic. <laughs> tragic. What about you? What do you think? Uh, do you want my fantasy, which is in no way def- true at all? Of course. Uh, there is a, there's a beautiful set of deleted scenes from Return of the Jedi, uh, which are, well, let me rephrase that. They were at one time available on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure they still are or, or should be. I don't know why they would have been taken down. And there is a character... Uh, in those deleted scenes that I think rebel force radio, when they first premiered on the Blu-ray dubbed granny B wing. And it's this wonderful older woman actress who is in one of the cockpits. And you know, the way those cockpit scenes work is 
you know, the assistant director off screen says, you know, shouts the line and then the the actress or actor repeats it. So they say, like, they're coming right for us. And the actor goes, they're coming right for us. And Granny B-Wing is incredible uh, because she she's a God lover. She's a good actress, but <laughs> they shout something to her and she like flubs it just a little. So they'll be like, they're coming right for us. And she'll respond like they are coming forest or things like that or, or things like that. Uh, or say like, say it again. What did you say? Um, so anyway, my fantasy is that Marva becomes Granny B-Wing and there is a place in the Alliance. And, you know, I think that character, the motivation might have been to show how desperate the Alliance was at that kind of bitter end moment of, of recruiting everybody they can. Um, I think of Lord of the Rings where they put the armor on the little boy, kind of that <laughs> that attitude. So my fantasy is that Marva has a heroic end and goes forward and while I don't think she's really Granny B-Wing, I do have hope that she might give her life to do something grand on Ferrix. And if nothing else, she can disrupt Ferrix and save her people. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, too, what the Daughters of Ferrix were. It naturally kind of made me think of the Daughters of the Revolution, but right. it could be a lot of different things. Um, and maybe it's, you know, it might just be a, a woman's auxiliary for the the guys working the scrapyard. But I, I think it, it could be something bigger. So cool. All right. Your <sighs> next question, sir. Now, that kind of that took another one of mine off the board, ah. which was what was Marva <laughs> trying to do besides get herself killed? Um <laughs> I'm going to switch gears. I want to go back to the Imperial Factory facility mm. with its cool tungstoid steel floors. <laughs> what are they manufacturing in this factory? Mm. So you stole one of mine. I have that exact. <laughs> well, I guess I, I shouldn't say I have that exact because my tone probably implies my answer to this. And my question was going to be, are they actually building something? And so my feeling <laughs> to answer your question, I don't think they're manufacturing a dang thing. My best guess is I think they load up those carts. Somebody takes them out. And I think they go to a different one of the rooms and the other team disassembles them and puts the pieces in and they get recycled over to the main room, uh, the to Cassian's room. Um, and I so to me, the reason I'm concluding that and it is wild speculation, irresponsible at that. But I'm concluding that because we know how stuff gets made in this galaxy and that's by droids, right? Machines making machines, how perverse, as C-3PO tells us in Attack of the Clones. Um, <laughs> and so in a galaxy where you have droids and, you know, a whole automated system, you don't need human labor. So I think, and it would be unreliable, right? Gosh, is this a metaphor for America in the modern day, oh. right? Uh, so... I I think this is just a means of control when you are giving them when you've gamified this thing gosh all they're going to do is behave and they're going to respond to the prompts so I think I don't think they're building anything we could recognize it would have been too too simple to have it be like ATAT feet or something like that so when it's this kind of generic I really think it's it's just all fake it's all a game and 
I suspect that's what the hand signals between tunnels might be trying to figure out together. Trying to what they're making. And I would be remiss if I didn't say my buddy Paul came up with this very theory as soon as he as soon as he knew I was in the clear to, you know, that have you seen it? Have you seen it? And he was like, are they really making anything? Are they just are they just like, does one team build it and the next team take it apart? And the only thing that I the only problem I have with those theories is that it seems like this is so elaborate to keep mm. them busy, you know, to it still takes resources, at least, you know, like whatever you're feeding them, you still have to, it's still no flavor except for the winning team, but mm. it, it still requires a lot to keep that facility going when, if in fact, you know, they may or may not be getting out of there, <laughs> what's the point? Why don't, you know, why, why, why isn't it just a death sentence unless that's a tipping point? that would get star systems, you know, like really upset. But then again, if nobody's ever getting out of there, what's the point of having them go through this? If you get sentenced, you just go off and you're just not seen again. Mm. So that's why I, the only thing is just because it's such a night and there were multiple, right? You saw multiple, one of those, these little Alcatrazes, you know, Alcatraz factories that, you know, it's a shame that they they're they're not making something because yes, yes, you could get a robot to make a license plate, but you do have prisoners that are not sitting around not doing anything, <laughs> and you're you like you're try, otherwise like I said, um, so that's my only that's my only that's my only thing that I have against that theory. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. If if this was all like something out of Severance, uh, <laughs> speaking of another series. Uh, that was also like separate teams trying to what are they what are they exactly doing? Mm. Well, in, in in my text thread with uh, with Jen and uh, Ben, Ben pointed out that his son made the connection to Squid Game, another series going on. <laughs> so uh, I think there is something in the air right now. I don't know how we're all feeling about uh, capitalism that <laughs> that we're all kind of thinking of of these these things as games and, and fool's errands, um, uh, a means of control, perhaps. Uh, I, this isn't really a question, but I did just want to say uh, those that shot that you referred to where you see many of these little pods, boy, did that remind me of the Colossus, right? Uh, from mm. Star Wars Resistance. Yes. Um, it very much felt like the, the Star Wars rule they said when they came up with the U-Wing, they wanted it to be new, but look like it came from the same factory as the other Rebel starships. And that's what it felt like. It's not exactly the Colossus, but it's similar in shape and it kind of is there. Totally wouldn't surprise me if those things can take off and go to some other planet to to operate or, or uh, you know, to be moved around to wherever the prisoners need to be. So oh, that's just a little just a little shout out to that, that those came to mind and. You know, when you get to talk about Star Wars Resistance, it's always a good night. <laughs> All right. Hmm. So you stole another one of mine. So uh, let me stick with the Cassian plot line. Right. Uh, why did Emperor Palpatine choose a prisoner in a prison on Narkina 5 to mix his DNA with? to form Snoke, <laughs> right? Oh, no, wait, sorry. Uh, I guess that's not a real question, but it was, uh, that's my way of saying, it was surprising to see Andy Serkis, voice of Snoke, uh, appear in this prison. And, uh, you know, 
he even got a little golemy at times. I thought kind of doing the good, the Smeagol golem thing a couple times, but great to see Andy circus. Just very surprising. Here's my real question. <laughs> Who is going to catch up with Cassian first? In some ways, this accidental arrest under an assumed name really helped him out because he's got the ISB on his tail and he's got Vel and Cinta on, or Cinta on his tail, uh, seemingly all of them ready to just kill him. And yet he's stored away under the wrong name in a place where nobody will find him. So who do you think catches up with him first? Boy. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those where it's like, how could you not, you know, if you're doing any kind of, apparently there's not any kind of facial recognition or, you know, scanning to go, maybe he's already been caught, especially if you're putting anybody and their mother in prison these days. Mm. Um, you have to figure somehow he's getting out of there, but yeah, you know, who catches up? And at this point you start to kind of look at rogue one going, how is he not spotted anywhere he goes? Because mm. anywhere from the top brass of the ISB knows this guy, this cat's face. Uh, so I, I don't know how, I, I don't know even if he, when he gets out, how he's not going to be spotted and then how he has to change his, you know, his, the way he does things because he's just such a recognizable face. He, you know, he should have his, have his mug on, on a dollar bill or something. Um, I, you know, he's getting, he's getting around at this point, but I, I would have to say you wonder, I think the ISB maybe, cause it only makes sense. I'm like, I don't know how they're breaking out of there. Um, unless he's taken from there, but it would, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, in these last four episodes, mm -hmm. nine, 10, 11, 12, um, how he gets out of there. But I'm almost thinking like if, if now I don't, I'm second guessing myself, maybe it is the ISB. Maybe it's the empire that got him in there and the empire that gets him out. What about you? Yeah, I guess the third option I didn't offer you, which I might take is that they do have a breakout on their own. Uh, my other suspicion about this prison is I don't think there are many guards there at all, right? Nope. I think I think there are only three or four <laughs> running the place, and they're relying on the prisoners. You know, uh, it's reminiscent of uh, this this theory that comes uh, from Jeremy Bentham, a philosopher in the 18th century, uh, who designed the perfect prison called the Panopticon. And the idea behind the Panopticon is that the the discipline becomes so internalized you no longer need guards just the threat is enough to keep them there and i i think that's where we're at with this prison so i suspect there are very few guards there so i think they might be on their way out and i'm guessing that they're able to hook up with the rebels first and like you threw like one good piece of evidence against my uh, they're not making anything theory. I'm going to throw the one good piece of evidence I have for the rebels finding him first. And that is a gentleman by the name of Melshi, right? Yes. That I we was hoping finally you were going to say Melshi. that. Uh, I don't know why I said finally. We got Melshi. It was a surprise. Uh, I didn't even recognize him until they said the name. And I pumped my fist. I was like, yes, Melshi. Light it up. Uh, but I think, I think Melshi means they have to find him first. Uh, the rebels have to find him first because Melshi and Cassian get recruited right away and they're they're off and running. Uh, maybe to that I will also append one of my favorite things about Melshi in this episode is Melshi uh, understands that they're trying to dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. And so he says when the guy refers to Cassian just as that guy, 
uh, Mel, she's like, his name is uh, Grieg. Great. I, I lost Keith. the notes. Keith. 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 Uh, Keith. Uh, and so to me, that shows Mel, she's a good guy. He's trying to like assert their humanity uh, within this. So uh, I can't wait to see more of Mel, she and Cassian breaking out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And also what's interesting and, you know, and this kind of goes back into, in, into a question is, uh, is no one in fact getting out of here? This is an, you know, do you, do you in fact work till you die? Which also is interesting because, you know, Kino says, you know, hey, I've got 239 days till I get out of here. Obviously, that sentence was doubled because everybody's sentence was doubled. Mm. But, you know, then that exchange between him and Melshi going, you know, don't let on that nobody's leaving. I mean, like, it's interesting that, you know, this could very well be a house of cards, but what happens? And, you know, if, you know, how is Kino buying into it still if he knows there's no hope? Sorry, it's kind of a, a broken set of questions, but I'm just, <laughs> th- this place is confounding me. Yeah. Um, so they have to have seen somebody leave, right? Like there has to be a carrot right. somewhere in the mix because there's there are a lot of sticks. And so I think there's somehow that people ascend out of there and maybe they go up a level. I would assume that if you're, a really good table leader, you get to be the unit manager, the floor manager. Right. And then if you're a really good floor manager, maybe the assumption is you get to go up a floor. Maybe you rise through the seven levels. Right. Uh, but the honest truth is where do you actually go? Uh, cause I think this is what you're asking. Do you actually get your freedom or do they just throw you uh, out the side of the ship uh, and kill you when the time comes. Uh, it actually reminds me of the very silly musical uh, You're in Town, right? Which which builds to what is You're in Town? What is You're in Town? And then uh, You're in Town is the police take you up to the top of a building and throw you off. Uh, and so <laughs> I think it's that kind of system probably where uh, you're not actually going to, to get your reward. It also is notable. I I thought it was a really smart, savvy political message when they ask what the outside world is saying about the sentences being doubled. And Kastner's just like, nothing. Like, they don't know. It doesn't matter to them. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't know. And so I think, to me, part of keeping that secret, part of keeping these people just under control means you can't actually let some out because eventually word would get get out that something's going on in these prisons. So, Well, and, you know, I was going to say, if you were just a smidge older, the first thing out of your mouth would have been, this is the plot from Running Man. <laughs> that very, that very, that very classically 80s, uh, late 80s uh, sci-fi movie with um, Richard Dawson and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because it's exactly what happened. Well, my dear friend, if you were slightly <laughs> older, you would say this is the plot of THX one one three eight, a classic seventies George Lucas movie. Uh, which I only shout out because they're clearly going for some of the THX visuals with the all white and some of the aesthetics going on, and some of the shots uh, kind of recreate that. So uh, 
Yes, I think that I think what we're both alluding to is that there's a rich history of this kind of dystopia and what are they doing with this and how will they inevitably surprise us, I think, is our questions worth asking and maybe better podcasts will answer them. Exactly. Oh, all right. What do you got? Uh, I've got you've used up mine. I've only got one last one, Fair which uh, is standing between you and your takeout food that it looks like just got delivered. Just some so, five uh, guys just came in to. Uh, ooh, to that's help a good support. call. Uh, so here's my last question. I I will say that one of my favorite parts of the show continues to be Mon Mothma and that plot line. Mm-hmm. So I am just going to shout out that plot line with a single question, which is, do you think Perrin? could actively be working for the empire is the killer in the house greg uh everybody else apparently is you know her driver and so forth is a plant um you know i would love nothing more than parent to be to prove that uh the douchery that he is uh and, and really just be i mean it's an arranged marriage yeah we've already known and they've been together um, that, that's a long burn, but I would say, yes, I think, you know, you know, unfortunately for the daughter, um, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot in this relationship, um, mm. that isn't there. And yeah, I can imagine seeing, you know, like he obviously, cause it's not that much fun, right? Oh, the, it's not much, you know, that I could very easily see some, someone would have gotten to him, uh, who knows that, 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 the, it was an arranged marriage and then just go, yeah. So I, I totally think that uh, Perrin is a plant and uh, will live up to the expectations we all have for him uh, Mm. that we don't really like him that much. What do you think? Uh, So the moment that really inspired this question for me in this episode was when Mon Mothma returns to him and asks where Tay went um, and says, oh, where is he? And uh, Perrin just says, like, oh, he he left. He said he had a, an early morning or whatever. And that felt deeply sinister to me. And, and it's something about the actor's performance. I think it's deliberate. And while that could just be petty jealousy, stay away from my <laughs> wife, uh, whatever history you had needs to be over with and in the past, it felt to me like he's manipulating the situation as much as Mon Mothma is, right? I think we have a cat and mouse going on. Um, you know, I, I worded this question in my, my text thread uh, by saying, would he turn him in? Or, sorry, turn her in? And I think... Uh, Zen Kenobi had the very good answer that said he's too comfortable in this life, right? He's too, he's too much, uh, enjoying himself in the social circles. So anything that threatens that he wouldn't jeopardize. Uh, and my only response to that is to say, well, perhaps his way of staying in the social circles is to turn her in right is to be buddies with Slymore yep. and Dengar and uh and to really not Dengar the bounty hunter but the the <laughs> imperial dignitary I'm sure uh, Dengar has a friend somewhere Yeah yeah I mean just look at that guy he's definitely in the elite upper echelon <laughs> of society Um and so maybe his way to stay in is turn her in he gets to stay he gets the comfort Um and just one little shout out from my notes I loved in this episode when Tay walked in he was wearing gold on his inner outfit and a blue cloak, whereas Perrin in that scene is wearing gold on his inner outfit and a blue, blue, sorry, gold on his cloak and blue on his inner outfit. So they were both inverses of each other. 
and you know to me naturally gold is you know valuable and worthwhile and uh that showed to me that uh tay had an exterior that was hiding his inner goodness and perrin had an exterior that was faking that goodness Uh. and hiding something cold within so we'll see if that plays out Uh. all right oh excellent excellent um, yeah, the last thing I would have, and I, I'll formulate a question based on our surprise entry of uh, Mr. Saw Gerrera, Forrest Whitaker, um, mm. who you could not... Uh, what a great scene yes. between Luthen and Saw. And you're just like, you know, Saw chewing up scenery in this. It was tremendous. Mm. But maybe I'll turn it on you because I want, I want to get this question. What are you... Gregory Cass. <laughs> that's that's my question to you. Um, mm. Rebel, separatist, separatist. Yeah. Well, and, and what cultist? I'm laughing about as you ask the question is there was a fantastic meme someone put out, and it was the different factions in fandom and how they'll never be aligned. And it was, are you a prequel apologist? Are you a neo Raylo? <laughs> are you a Lucas cultist? And so on. Uh Boy, such an exciting scene and a real question of how do rebels become a rebel alliance? And it, it reminds me of a lot of social movements we've seen in our lifetime where the the joining of these groups is what's difficult, right? Everybody has their own views. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't sign up to be a partisan. I couldn't sign up to be a separatist. I would, I would absolutely think of myself as something closer to... Uh, probably whatever Mon Mothma defines herself as, right? <laughs> that kind of uh, behind the scenes, I'm not going to be out on the front lines. Um, you know, when I think of myself and how I work to improve society, I do so not in, as an activist, but as a teacher and as somebody who improves others so that they can make right choices in their life, not somebody who forces a, an, <laughs> an agenda on them. So, uh, but what a great scene. Shout out also to Two Tubes, who yes. was visible. And um, I, I also noted there's a black and white X-Wing parked outside, which was also parked outside on Jetta. And I own the micro machine of that because it came Ooh. out when the movie came out. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what this is in the movie. And then it was parked in the background of one scene. <laughs> so it wasn't what I hoped it would be. But I still have the micro machine. Where's the uh, where, where's going to be the future Lego set of yeah, yeah, Saw, Luthen, and Two Tubes and that X-Wing? Yeah. Um, it, you had some great lines when, you know, uh, when Luthen goes, well, anarchy is a seductive concept. And then... Uh, saw saw at one point goes I am the only one with clarity of purpose, mm-hmm. and so I just I I just I hope there's more, um, and I could take a I could take a much longer episode with Saw Gerrera, but you're right you were like how are they going to get together and you know how important do we think Luthen is now to the rebellion he seems to be the only one that's trying to get all these folks to work together, uh, whereas most folks would have you know they they're not interested at all. So it's all oh, there. It is. There's the micro machine. There it is. I found it in the box. <laughs> nice. I'll make sure it's in my Instagram somewhere before the uh, the episode drops. That, that so. is the that is the <laughs> that is the ship of of the episode. But yes, um, um, 
Tremendous. Yeah, and, and boy, were we I was not expecting Luthen to have that role, right? I thought of him much more as a spy in the shadows, but I think you're right that he more than anybody is doing that work. And and we know the rebels have to become an alliance, and maybe they're not an alliance till that moment in Rogue One when the the council is together on Yavin. Uh and you know, obviously we know some reasons why, but Luthen's not there, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Tony Gilroy is clever enough to come up with a good reason why he's not there, even if it really is just that the character wasn't invented yet. Oh, it's going to be so good. All <laughs> right. Well, I know that you have some more podcasts to listen to, and I have some. I, I still have to buy a car, so hopefully by next, <laughs> hopefully by next show. Uh, cheeseburger will, first, then che- the cheeseburger first. Cheeseburger first. <laughs> then, then I will have to make the decision between the Imperial Light Cruiser and the uh, and and the the lesser the lesser one. Um, but anyway, Greg. Until that time, until that time, we meet again. Where can people find you online? Uh, at least for the time being, despite the <laughs> regime change, uh, I am still on Twitter, and we'll see how long that lasts. People can find me at IonCanon, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N, uh, not associated with the Ion Cannon podcast, just somebody who had the name on their own first. So uh, you can find me there and on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, and if you are curious about my fantasy podcast, you can yes. tune in to Through the Glass Columns, which is my uh, Wheel of Time read-along podcast. I am sitting next to a copy of the second book in that series because we have now committed to season two, and we're going to get reading uh, next book. <laughs> nice, nice. I'd be remiss also by saying my our good friend, and you, you met him at uh, Celebration, Stephen Stolk, Star Wars Tops Cards. Uh, somewhat, some ne'er-do-well must have did a... Uh, haha, I'll report and then have Instagram take out your channel. Oh. And although he is in the middle of trying to, you know, to to fight that, uh, it may very well be the end of that channel. He may have to start over. It's a cautionary tale, not to bring it down on a note, that, you know, all of us are sometimes one report away from having to deal with forces that are out of our control. Uh, but if another channel comes up, he will be, uh, Steve has, uh, Stephen has done a great job. He was around longer than I was uh, posting great content on star Wars tops cards. And my hope is, and I uh, recently we'd had another friend of ours uh, who'd had their channel hacked. And that's a common story. Oh. You see where someone yeah. gets their channel hacked, they have to start over and, you know, building audiences takes a long time, but also you tend to lose a lot of that content that you posted. So cautionary tale, but hopefully the account either gets out of, out of, you know, out of hibernation, uh, out of carbonite, or he starts a new. If so, uh, we'll be putting out some information that uh, everybody give him a follow on the Instagrams because the the card content is great and he's a good guy. So oh, anyway, fantastic channel. Just want to echo what you said. That's very upsetting. I hadn't known that he got uh, taken down like that. So so you're leaving me upset. Thanks a lot. Uh, I know, but... <laughs> I know. But hopefully, but absolutely a great celebration of cards. Uh, he was recently doing some. Uh, at some point, he did some. Uh, Y Division, uh, Phantom Menace, and I was like, oh, those take me right back to 99. I 
definitely bought, you know, a box full of those from my after school job at a general store and, you know, it had a great time with them. So, oh, my my apologies to him that that happened, but I can't wait to to see you get back on your feet. Yes, yes. And we'll probably have to get him back on so we can help do the relaunch if that's what need be. And, uh, you know, and, and we, we all need a cause because, f- quite frankly, we're all playing Marvel Snap way too much. And you, everybody knows who they are because uh, Snap came through. And uh, when I am not, when I am, uh, I don't know how I'm having time for it, but uh, Snap is just, that's Marvel <laughs> crack is what it is. Yeah. Um, it, it, it arrived in my life the week my wife is out of town. So every <laughs> night from like nine to midnight this week, I was playing it and I'm, I'm watching. I, you pointed this out in, to, to good old Tom Gross. You're like, don't worry, free to play is actually pretty good. And I agree. You can do a lot with free to play. Yes. It doesn't demand a lot of money. Um, I think I threw in the three or four bucks for uh, the kind of welcome package and then 10 bucks for the season pass. So I, I wow. am a little deep, you're in. but you're in. but uh, but it it wasn't necessary. You can get just about everything. It's it, and it's not even that much of a grind. It's an enjoyable grind. So yes, uh, just wait till we can make a guild or, a, you know, a, a group together on that app will be unstoppable we'll yeah we'll be a (laughs) card squadron will be a force to reckon with indeed (laughs) all right we'll let you get back to the wheel of time podcast we'll let you get back online to to marvel snap and all that and hopefully we will see everybody else uh soon but we are now going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress the music for this podcast is brought to you under a creative commons license from trent reznor and nine inch nails This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www dot starwars dot com